Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our expectation series on the Ravens. As we look at an offensive player and a defensive player, we'll continue until we're done. Last couple of shows still to be done today. Sam Mustafer, the backup center, and David Ajabo, the pass rusher. We're all looking forward to seeing uh, in his first real NFL season. Here to join me to talk about that is Danny Joseph. Danny, how you doing? Uh, good, Ken. Uh, excited to talk about uh, these two uh, young uh, – well, I'm sorry, David Ajabo is young um, – two newcomers to our, this Ravens season. Uh, we didn't get to see a whole lot of Ajabo and Mustafer, um his first season as a Ravens. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, two players that can help um, either build depth or really contribute this season. All right. Outstanding. So, Sam Mustafer, let's start with him. He's 27 now. Uh, that's uh, as of 8-13. He's not quite 27, but he'll be there at right after the first exhibition game. In his fourth season now, so he'll be an unrestricted free agent after 2023, like a large portion of the Ravens roster. Uh, a guy who, uh, who probably will not be around uh, after this season, or at least they'll, they'll have to negotiate a new contract after that. Uh, 6 to 332 pounds now. Now, Maureen and I watched him play a fair amount at Notre Dame because uh, you know, that's where she went to school. Uh, and he was a lot smaller when he was playing that always been a a kind of a short armed guy at 32 and an eighth inches, but uh, he was, he was small and he was quite slow. Five fifty nine forty at his Notre Dame pro day. You know how they always exaggerate pro day numbers. I don't think that's the direction they exaggerate in. And a five fifty nine forty is titanically slow. Um, And he, he weighs a lot more than he did at that point. He probably has picked up another 25 pounds since then. Yeah, five fifty nine is uh, for a center. Uh, that's that's nearing uh, Orlando Brown territory of slow forty yard dashes, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, a starter for the Bears for the last three years, uh, which um, you know we, we can get into more about his t- his type of play, but uh, certainly a center that we're not hoping we see a whole lot of on the field. Uh, but you know, as a depth piece, and the Ravens were clearly looking to add some type of interior line depth. Um, after losing powers uh, and, um, and maybe some uncertainty on the roster um, seemed like a fair pickup given uh, the uh, just the, the salary cap constraints and, and maybe some roster needs. Yeah, definitely. He, he, he meets the salary cap need cause he's a vet men guy, but uh, a guy who is a adequate run blocker um, probably in the NFL. When, when I looked at him, he definitely seems to have some issues with mobility that will have to be addressed but he's the kind of player that the Ravens have such a good record of rehabilitating and drafting offensive linemen that I'm modestly hopeful for that, that he can be good. He certainly has the size um, right now in terms of, of anchoring as a center, as a pass blocker. He has length issues still. 
but he does have the size to to uh, uh, to be a decent backup center. Now they may be asking him to do more than that, so it wouldn't be surprising to me if he's a guy that ends up showing up on the field as a sixth offensive lineman, that he's part of a backup guard situation. Um, I just think he's fairly far down the totem pole at guard, as I would see it now, to see him seeing a lot of time there. Absolutely. I, it's not in their best interest, given their their salary cap um, situation over the next couple of years, to want him to become a, a serious guard option or even the backup guard. Um, just with the, you know, the for how tight things are going to be over the next three years, having him on a one-year deal, it's it's in their best interest to develop their younger guys that they're going to be able to contractually have uh, for the next two, three years, um, like a Sala or uh, even a Falele, who um, has three more years left on his rookie deal. Um, Mustafer, it's not in their, you know, in their interest as a, as a guard option, but um, if they like his versatility enough, which the, the Ravens love when their uh, offensive linemen, particularly their interior offensive linemen, have great versatility, uh, he can become somebody to, I think, contribute in a pretty positive way. Um, and maybe somebody they look to keep around either, you know, on a continuous rolling one year vet minimum, um, or maybe they can find a, you know, carve out a spot for him uh, uh, some, some way, somehow in the future. Yeah, if, if if you look at him, he does not do much more than Linderbaum in any area. Now, now we wouldn't expect him to to be Tyler Linderbaum, but he actually he's one of the worst pass blockers in the league. Uh, Linderbaum, if you look at PFF, was twenty seventh of thirty one centers with six hundred plus snaps, and Linderbaum was twenty ninth. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, he Miss Mustafer was twenty seventh, and Lindy was twenty ninth. So. You know, neither of those guys is a is a particularly good pass blocker. They're both fairly similar. A PFF also rolls in the snaps into that. So I don't have a a, a breakdown of Mustafer snaps, but I'd be a little bit concerned at t- to go back and see did he have some wild snaps with the Bears that are reducing that number, or is it really all just pass blocking? Um, they both have some similar length issues in terms of of being short armed uh, for the position. Uh, but like I say, Mustafer's a lot, a, a much bigger man in terms of uh, of the amount of weight he's playing with. Uh, just he just doesn't really play quickly, no matter what he does. Whereas that's that's what Linderbaum's a trait is: is the ability to move quickly and and hopefully complement some bigger men that will be playing at both guard spots. Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, there's some you know videos on uh, you know watching some you know YouTube some some film clips to get ready for this. Um, there's a couple of videos of Mustafer's, uh, some of his pass blocking snaps, um, fairly, uh, failing to communicate switches and allowing like free run interior pressure on Justin Fields. Um, there's a couple that are titled like, what is P- what is Mustafer doing? Um, so it, yeah, uh, I can definitely see how his, you know, pass blocking rating is, is ranked pretty low. Um, and it just seems like, you know, maybe a little bit of an athletic, um, you know, mismatch when it comes to him on the interior. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to definitely be paying attention to see how Linderbaum can overcome some of his um, athletic disadvantages. Uh, Mustafer seem um, a little bit different. He doesn't necessarily have that speed element that I think Linderbaom can bring um, on run blocking uh, snaps, and, you know, and stuff in the, in the run game where, you, you know, you can get it up, up and down the field in the second level. Um, yeah, Mustafer, you know, much much bigger guy, uh, but you know, mobility seems to be a, a huge issue for him in the past game, um, rather than something like Linderbaum, where it's arm length and 
um, overcoming a, a size disadvantage like that. You know, one thing we saw out of the Ravens last year, which was totally unexpected, was Morgan Moses really showing a lot more mobility than anyone would have expected. Now, Morgan Moses was never part of the discussion, as far as I can tell, to move to left tackle during the time Ronnie Stanley was out. But to see him on some of those counters and move on the run and be the trailing man on on two-man poles and still you know, be going and finding a body to block, that's, that's actually a very difficult block to make. Ronnie Stanley was not particularly effective at those this last year. Doesn't You don't have to on, ev- on every one. Uh, is the, the way I would grade it. You don't even downgrade a player for not finding a block, but you certainly think, yeah, that's a great block when the trailing player goes and can participate at all. And when he can go and square up somebody as solidly as Moses did this last year, that's terrific. So what I'm hoping for with Mustafa is that when he's the trailing man on some of these outside pulls, meaning it's a it's a center and a tackle, but they're but they're pulling the outside, and and also when it's a center center tackle and they're pulling uh, to, to, to with him being the lead man, that, that he's going to be better at that, that they see something in his footwork that they either think they can fix because it really hasn't been there before, or they say, okay, we can work with that. The Bears system didn't really play to his strength or the Bears continuity sucked. And so that's why he, he, he wasn't effective in there, but that's okay. We know how to fix that. Uh, so I'm really hoping that's a that's a big part of what the Ravens are looking at with most of her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the Ravens historically have been, have been, you know, fairly above average when it comes to developing offensive linemen, um, even drafting too. Uh, it, it really can't be understated how you know some of their some of their misses have even been fair. But I, you know, historically the Ravens drafting offensive linemen. Um, it seems like they have a great stronghold on developing and like figuring out talent um, at these positions, whether, you know, it's tackle or guard or center, um, you know, going down the line, you think of some of the, the guys that have become some of the best offensive linemen in the league um, and have even gone on to other teams uh, and become the best offensive linemen in the league. Uh, Ryan Jensen, um, you know, we can go on and on, but uh you know, if it's a one position that you trust that the organization can pick traits um, and then see what they want to add, you know, to, to their room, and it, maybe they can fix a player like this. Um, you know, I think interior offensive line is is probably one of the the first ones that come to mind. Yeah, they've they've definitely had some misses at the position, but you know, the the top guys have worked out. Ben Grubbs and Chris Chester are the two guards that they've taken at the top of the draft. If you look at the fourth round and later, they've got some hits and they've got some misses, but Ben Powers is a big hit. Edwin Mulatalo, a big hit. Uh, Jermaine Illuminor, you know, a guy who's kind of forgotten in this, but he's still playing in the, in the NFL right now. And then if you go out to tackle where a lot of their guys were in college, that's where they've been an even, even better uh, with Marshall Yonda in the third round, Orlando Brown in the third round, and then players like, Rick Wagner in round five, Tony Pashos, who got a big contract with Carolina in round five, Ryan Jensen and Greg six, it's around six, et cetera. So um, been, a, been a fairly impressive uh, position for the Ravens to, to develop some talent, plenty of undrafted guys too, in terms of players like Cologne and McCary and whatnot that have, that have become something at the NFL level, even though they weren't, weren't drafted, but the, the Ravens uh, took them in as their first team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I and I, I, sorry, I skipped over one of the parts about uh, you were talking about him snapping. Um, I think it'll be 
that that's going to be a big deciding factor on what his role is exactly is with the Ravens, um, and particularly how comfortable they are with him. Either you know, if he ever has to play on a game day or he's in his rotational guy, um, the snaps have been, uh, I think, something like two years ago that we like we forget how mm-hmm. much of a problem and talking point that was. Um, and something I know that you mentioned a lot is is Bozeman snaps when when he was center and. Um, his snaps being relatively slow um, in comparison to a regular snap, uh, just throwing kind of curve balls or, or change-ups back to, to Lamar. Um, the, the urgency, I think, that this off- offense is going to play with, um, and you can tell that Lamar likes to get the ball in his hands and, and scan the field, and um, I think that that's definitely something that, you know, during camp um, I'll be looking to see what, what kind of updates we get on that uh, to see if he's a fit in the offense when it comes to just, snapping the ball yeah absolutely and and that's that's very key and linderbaum that's one of the things he really delivered on during his rookie year i i don't think anybody has any complaints really about uh how accurate and and more importantly how fast his snaps were so he's getting a fat fastball to the gut was what lamar was getting for a lot of last year that really helps a, a quarterback not take his eyes off the field when you're constantly having to scoop the ball out off of your knees and and you know the pitch might be lower outside or, you know, wherever it might be relative to the strike zone you're expecting, you know, it distracts you and it ruins, it, it hurts timing on the play. So having a guy who can do that's important and you want your backup to be every bit as good as your starter. If you can, if you can possibly get that. So that may in fact have been a characteristic that they liked with Mustafa. I really just don't have any information on it. That's where I am right now. Uh, in terms of so we'll see I'll be watching in camp too and uh, and trying to take a look at uh, who seems to have a a good handle on that in terms of of competition for an offensive line spot this year I think you know this is one of the things I always like to deconstruct fairly fairly deeply in camp and when you look at my articles on the offense and whatnot most important thing I can give you is the order of entry but I also have offensive line notes for every game uh, during the preseason and I think the Ravens will will probably keep nine on the roster to make eight on game day. I want to remind people of the rules in the NFL. You can have one additional active player on your game day roster, provided you have eight offensive linemen. So there is a 100% chance that every NFL team will carry eight offensive linemen because the other, you'd, you'd be foolish not to. The only consideration would be if somehow you only wanted to carry seven on your entire roster or only had seven healthy and didn't want to make a change, um, you might want to carry seven on a game day. But I've never heard of a team actually going through with that. Every team plays eight. And with the other practice squad elevations and whatnot, you usually aren't even limited by by roster um, frictions that would make you uh, you know, not want to activate somebody who's on your on your uh, active fifty three anyway, but uh, but anyway, nine to make eight is what you want to think about is is who are the nine linemen who are going to make the Ravens? And I think we look at this group. There are the four starters at you know okay, we'll go the four starters that are their locks now, not the left guard, meaning are all there, and that's uh, obviously Stanley, um, uh, Linderbaum, Zeitler, and Moses. So those guys are 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 set. Then you have four other guys I think are locks, and that is McCary, Sala, Falele, and Cleveland. All four of those guys have additional years of contract or um, they're paying a lot of money for them or whatever it might be. All of those guys, because of backup tackle needs in McCary's case, 
are going to be on the roster. I don't think there's any any uh, doubt about that. Any any comments on on that so far, Danny? No, I um, you know I I think Cle- Cleveland. Uh, I think the it's he's maybe the only one that's not a lock given his just pass. But I think it would be it would be dumb to move on. And, and from what um, you know, we discussed actually on our you know on the last pod, uh, it seems like you know his his attitude is turned around. Um, but I do agree. I think that backup left tackle is something that's you know, definitely in this team's plans. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I definitely think it's a nine the nine to make eight as well. I, I can't really see a player who they're going to do one of the cut uh, and then, you know, the wink, the handshake deals. Um, mm-hmm. And then Voorhees, they can just, they can put him on a, a season long IR. NFI. Right? He, a- NFI, yeah, actually. NFI, and they don't need it's, to put him on, a, on the roster. Yeah, better. Just, just to, let's still dip our toes in the water on that for just a second. So okay. last year they had David Ajabo, and he started on NFI, and then he was ready to play, and they brought him back, and they got 20 snaps out of him. And it was nice that he didn't lose the year developmentally, but if he'd stayed on NFI for the entire year, he wouldn't have been paid, and his contract, his, his years of service would not have told. So he would have uh, – I think that's the correct way to use that term – he would have remained a you know a first year player in this year on, on his first of four years, and that apparently is what the plan is for Voris. And so he'll, as I understand it, it's been reported by Zrebek, uh, is is the person I've originally heard this from. He was the plan is for him to stay there for the entire season. Then the Ravens have four years four years of him starting next year. So that's wow. actually makes that an extremely exciting draft pick in a relative that's a sense. Sharp, that is a sharp pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, what that that's that's stealing a uh, a third round third round player in the seventh round. Um, that's a, that's a sharp pick. Yeah, I, I'm glad I got clarification on that rule because I, I you know sounds sounds too good to be true. And man, if they got that for a job, oh, that would have been great. Yeah. But that's besides the point. So let's go. Back. The, the the other guy that I didn't mention yet, and I actually think he's pretty close to a roster lock is is Simpson. So if any was was to be cut, I guess it could be one of Falele Simpson or Cleveland. Depending on if they're if they just don't see the developmental advances they need out of Falele, that would be the case with with Simpson. I think that the reason I like him to make the roster is because I think he makes the most sense as a backup left tackle out of that group. Um, now his feet are not um, uh, maybe ideal, but he's six four, he's three twenty one, and he has very long arms at thirty four and an eighth inches. Um, which I think has to put him in the discussion at least to play at left tackle if something were to happen to Ronnie Stanley. Of course, we don't even want to think about that possibility because that's a that's a long fall down, and I think McCary is probably the first option in that case. Um, but they've they're already trying out Ben Cleveland at right tackle, and um, you know I, I don't even know that Falele for sure is going to stay as being a backup tackle in the organization or as a as that they see as his ultimate position, given the, the you know, what happened last year, which was not good um, or, or whether they think Cleveland is maybe a better chance for it now. So we'll see kind of how that develops. I think that's going to be one of the interesting things at camp is, is trying to see how are they rotating through players, obviously on the, on the camp days, but also in the preseason games in terms of, of how they do that and the order of entry, who plays the second half, who plays the first half, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's definitely you know keep Stanley in in bubble wrap, and even Morgan Moses is you know essential to this team. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see which which of those guards they try to you know experiment a little bit, possibly a tackle. 
um, and get their feet wet there. I think Simpson's, a, you know, probably the leader of the clubhouse right now, unless they were to bring somebody in, um, you know, looking at free agents. Uh, uh, last year, their, their plan was uh, Jawan James, correct? And, and That's right. They um, started him game got, one. And he was injured by game one or game two. And uh, I forget which I forget which exact game um, he went out. But uh, it was a tough, tough stretch to get from Jawan James's injury to uh, the, the Stanley return week five. Um, yeah, James played Bills. 23 snaps in game one before he, he was hurt. Yeah. Um, I remember the Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills and Patriots game, the first half were, were tough watches at the, at the left tackle turn yeah. style that was the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and obviously some of that was fall LA and he, he had, uh, a couple of very tough games there starting with the new England game. And in fact, he, he led the team in sacks allowed for the season, despite, you know, playing only a hundred and hundred snaps and change. So, uh, not an ideal spot to be if if you're uh follow Lely. and you know he, he was a developmental player forced into a role that was obviously too big for him as a rookie um and and i think you, a couple things about this is one is i don't want to give up on the guy completely i mean i expect ravens have been has such a good record of developing linemen in a way where they make progress year over year that you know i think there's still a pretty good chance for him um in terms of of uh what happened this last year i think you really do got to kind of got to flush the toilet on it though and not pretend like it was something it wasn't which is something i see from ravens fans all the time with regard to offensive linemen that they 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 want to claim somebody as something that they aren't yet so anyway lots of development left to go for follow lately yeah absolutely um and just you know to get back to to mustafer and, and his role in the team um, you know, where do you see him fitting in in terms of the, his role in the roster? Uh, I know we're talking about roster locks, but, you know, Mustafer's final spot, where do you see him going? Yeah, I, I think he appears to be headed for the practice squad, but, you know, that can change in, in camp because all it really takes is one injury and then there's a, there's a change to the totem pole that has to occur. But if, if their depth holds up, um, I think, you know, th- they would probably want him to be the backup center um, assuming that they didn't want to put McCary in the spot, which also is a is a reasonable you know you know choice to make. But if you want to keep McCary as a backup tackle because you don't think you have anybody else, then a, one good choice to do there, if you trust uh, Mustafer to snap the ball, is to get Mustafer in there, uh, have him playing with some other uh, big men on the inside, and see if that if that can become a, a better position for him. He hasn't been a terrible pass blocker; he just hasn't been particularly good. Um, so it's something that, that it could work out. Um, and you know, hopefully, you know, he's, he's a guy that would be the 10th man. He, he can be on the practice squad initially. I don't think there's a big chance that he gets taken by another team. Uh, he'd be activated for up to three games, maybe, uh, due to injuries. If you need him as your, one of your top eight and boy, that's not, would not be a good situation there. If I'm calling, if I'm talking about this, that he's one of the eight guys you need even though he's not on your roster, meaning you don't trust somebody who's on your roster or they're hurt. Either one of those is a bad, is a bad situation. So I, I think that's the most likely thing. Um, and, and we probably, uh, he's probably too far down the totem pole at guard would be my feeling to ever see action there. But I guess you just kind of never know if, if he's on the roster for a game to back up at center that he might not see action at guard. Yeah, I, you know, there, there's just, it seems like there's a lot of um, competition and, uh, and depth 
uh, I, I guess is the right term on who's going to play that left guard spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hope that nothing happens to our right, like with Zeitler, with contractually or even injury wise, Linderbaum, you know, we want, you know, nothing but, but pure help for them. Um, don't really see Mustafer fitting into, into that type of competition. Um, um, you know, unless the Ravens, you know, grabbed him in sharply because they see traits in it, but you know, just don't really see that, uh, is him being a legitimate part of that competition. Um, and you know, his role is the backup center. Uh, I, I completely agree that I think the practice squad is probably where he's going to, to end up. Um, and you know, his game day activation may be based either on injury, um, or McCarry's um, role based on a different injury. Um, because it'd be obviously smarter for them to save their practice squad call-ups on Mustafer. Um, if McCarry is healthy because, you know, he could play an adequate role as a, as a second, uh, as a backup center, um, rather than waste a, a, uh, a Mustafer practice squad call-up. Um, cause you only get so many of those before they have to sign to the active roster. Yeah, I think it's three. three. Yeah. Um, so you want to, you know, make sure you're, you're using those the right moment. Um, obviously we hope Tyler Linderbaum is healthy the whole year, but, uh, you do need to have, um, have a plan set in place in case that's not, in case yeah, that great, doesn't happen. Great point. I want to address before we move on to good and great season here, but, but if uh, it must status as the backup center could be elevated in, in importance significantly, if McCary has to fill in a tackle, um, even for probably even for a short time, but definitely for an extended time, I think that's how he gets an activation to the 53. If there's a, if there's a problem like that and, uh, and he could, he could definitely be a guy they're, they're trying to protect at that point. One of the things I always say, and this, this goes is true on the offensive line, but it's true at every position in the NFL is the replacement level goes down as an NFL season goes down. It's a moving target because the, the, the amount of total talent at the league at every position is less at the end of the year. And you're, you're, you're scrambling for a player who is really on the margin in December and you're willing to accept a lot less. Well, Sam Mustafer is just the kind of player that that might apply to. And if the Ravens have him on the practice squad, as the year grows on, the risk becomes more and more that he'll be picked up by another team who has injury problems on their offensive line and and uh, end on him. He's kind of a known quantity. He's, he's uh, started for three years or most of three years anyway in, in Chicago and definitely is a guy that that uh, other teams think they'll have a handle on who he is and, um, you know, might be interested in picking up. So while I think he'll end up on the practice squad, I don't think he'd make it through a full season there if he just was left there. Completely agree. Uh, anytime you play two seasons of a thousand snaps in the NFL, uh, you're, mm-hmm. you're probably going to, and you're on the practice squad, you're going to be somebody's target. Um, you know, a team that's going to make a playoff run that needs a average to below average center because they have a, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, they're so desperate um he's an appealing option and uh, you know we have to be comfortable with, with that as as ravens uh fans that um you know we got to be luck we got to be lucky enough to think that our depth is good enough that you know he's not going to make our our final roster but you know be okay with that our practice squad is is going to get picked on a little bit more than others um yeah. and part, particularly our offensive line depth for just shown year after year um you know, one of the reasons why the Ravens do so well in the postseason and the preseason um, is because our offensive line has really good depth and they're well coached and they and they can really control the game at the end of a preseason game. So 
uh, yeah, uh, he's definitely a target for a team trying to make a playoff run or uh, even just get some scouting for next year as a possible uh, option for them at starting center. Sure. I, I do think he's not he's not like a John Simpson target or a Greg Sanat target who are guys that, that that's a very hard type of type of body type to keep on the practice squad because it's kind of ideal for the position. What And, you know, Greg Sinat didn't end up being much of a, of a left tackle, but the Ravens drafted him and left tackles are very hard to find. Left tackle body types are much rarer. And and he, he you know, the organization understood the fact that they were going to lose him if they put him on the practice squad. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Um, and the same is true of, of, uh, of um, uh, a Simpson, I think, because of his length and size, particularly if, if he shows anything in the preseason about being able to back up at left tackle, I think that that's a he's a potential guy that they would lose if they put on the practice squad uh, this year. He has a he has a history of being a, a a penalty guy, which might it's a it's maybe a black mark against him that other teams would look at. But generally speaking, I think there's enough out there on those two players that either one of them would be in demand at some point, including Mustafer, whose body type is not rare uh he's a short arm guy and you you I, I think it's just a matter in his case of there's enough film out there that somebody's pretty comfortable about just how below average he is and it's above their their replacement level for that that point in the season yeah yeah couldn't agree more all right let's talk about a good season and a great season for sam mustaver so a good season uh what do you got for me yeah, um, a good season for him is that he um, is seen as a you know replacement level option if that if that were to come up for the Ravens. Um, you know, if he is somebody who makes their practice squad um, and is and is known as a legitimate option to back up uh, to back up Linderbaum, I think that's a good season um, for for Mustafa and and for us as Ravens fans. Um, I, I don't really see a path where he's going to make the team and have, you know, any type of significant role. Um, but as we have, you know, seen time and time again, you know, little injuries or even a major injury can be you know devastating to an offensive line. Um, if the Ravens feel strongly enough to keep him around um, and, you know, for him to try to contribute in any way, uh, I, I think that that's a win. Um, and, you know, we did sign him for much. So there's not really, there's not really anything to lose at this point. Yeah, that's I, I'm I'm very similar. I'll just read mine. Plays practice as well in in the preseason and is offered a practice squad spot as the Ravens' tenth offensive lineman. Activated for one to three games due to injuries, sees less than 150 snaps and delivers above the replacement level. So I'm not saying he has to be league average. I just want something that's above the replacement level. Uh, and I think he's he's perfectly capable of delivering on that if he's uh, if he's called on. How about a great season? What does that look like for you? Yeah, a uh, great season in in my book is that he um, he actually jumps McCarry as the backup center. So, you know, McCarry there, obviously his role and the reason why he got the contract that he did was to be the kind of the Band-Aid offensive lineman, right? If, if mm-hmm. um, you know, if Kevin Zeitler goes out for a play, uh, McCarry fills in at right guard for a play. I don't need to reshuffle the whole deck. Um, this... You know, if Mustafer is able to have a great season, in my opinion, it's, you know, he's being activated on game day because he is the backup center and they find it more valuable to keep to put him there and then keep McCarry either playing in a you know backup tackle role or, you know, backup guard role um, that he that McCarry is actually not the band aid for center that Mustafer is. Um, that's what I would, you know, 
classifies as a great season. You know, if anything happened to Linderbaum, he finds his way onto the field, um, and they actually prioritize that rather than just throwing uh, a carry out there. Okay, I think I think that's a good way to put it. I, I I stated it a little differently. I'd said, first of all, for starters, I think the Ravens' offensive line coaching unlocks previously untapped value. I think that's really a key for him. Is what were the Bears doing wrong? Why did they like Mustafer so much that they decided to go out and get him as opposed to just taking another guy straight out of college who you know has no record? And of course, straight out of college guy, an undrafted guy has the additional advantage of you, you have him for four years if it works out. So when you take a fourth year player like Mustafer, to me, that's a, that's that's a you like something about that guy. Same with John Simpson, by the way, that they they have to like something about him in order to to, to make that kind of move. So I'd say he plays and practices well. His footwork is improved to at least adequate for center and guard pulling assignments. Um, I'd like to see a mobility upgrade of the sort that we saw with Morgan Moses last year. So Morgan Moses, just much more mobility than I thought was possible. And, you know, frankly, by by other grading services, by looking at it myself, you, you see a guy who, who just is a better run blocker than the Ravens possibly could have expected. I'd love to see that kind of upgrade out of Mustafer this year. And then I think, you know, if he comes in and fills in at a league average level when called upon for 250 plus snaps, whether that's at center, guard, wherever they need him, sixth offensive lineman, maybe for a few plays, I think any of that is is potentially within Mustafer's wheelhouse and is something he could uh he could provide the Ravens. All right. We good on that? Any comments before we move on to David Ajabo? No, completely agree. Um and hopefully uh hopefully the offensive line all stays healthy. <laughs> there you go. So one of the nice things about these shows is I usually give the player I, I, I the the uh sorry the analyst a chance with a kind of a, a star player and a uh, another player who's kind of on the fringe of the roster might be fighting for playing time, but that's the idea. I try and mix it up. So, or you get maybe two players who are, who are both competing for a role in some way, but, but uh, with, with a job, uh, you know, this is your star player, Danny. So you, you asked for this one, uh, second year player turned 23 in May. Tell, tell us a little bit about David Ajabo and what you see with him. Yeah, I thought you did it as a like a you know business decision for people to download the podcast. You know, you, you put the the star down there. I thought it was <laughs> I do that, that was a very yeah very sharp move. Um, but yeah, Ojabo, I uh, just turned uh, twenty three years old um, in the twenty twenty two draft, second round pick, uh, pick forty five. Tragically, uh, tore his Achilles um, in the pre draft process. For anyone that forget uh, forgot that. Um, and was projected top 15 top 20 pick um prior to that uh had a outstanding nfl combine um really i think improved his draft status at his pro days where he has achilles injury um just a, a, a terrible for him and um you know a player that i think i would i if i was you know, watching his um, college just tape and, and also as a Penn State fan, watching him just completely humiliate Penn State um, and destroy Sean Clifford's will. Um, <laughs> as a speed rusher, you know, I, you know, that injury, it did make me a little worried with, you know, his recovery for this was going to be crucial. Um, it really was. It, it You know, somebody he's a edge rusher who's going to need to rely a lot on his speed, his bend. Um an Achilles injury is just uh, is is a huge red flag. Um, having said that, it you know if, if for Ravens fans that forgot, uh, he actually you know came back to practice with them 
um, in the middle of last season. He actually, him and Tyus Bowser came in as reinforcements, um, I believe right before the Saints game. Uh, and Ojabo would practice uh, for the for the rest of the season, uh, getting his first activation against the Browns um, week 16, 15. I believe, or week 15, yes. Um, and then he got really his first chance, uh, his first NFL snaps in the Bengals game, um, which uh, if you forget, um, he had a, a strip sack against Joe Burrow, uh, which is something that we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, um, that that I think is going to be something that recurs uh, and one of his best talents. Uh, but yeah, a little, um, just a, as a reminder of Ojabo's. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, rookie year and what his pre-draft process looked like. Um, and the Ravens spent a second round pick on him. Yeah, so we, we we won't know, obviously, until the season is done, but we probably have a pretty good idea. Um, is the David Ajabo pick worth it or not? Because he's he, you, you really have to see something by year two from a second round uh, draft pick, and and in particular, you know, you 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 deferred this guy's start an entire year, so I think that they they really expect to get something in 2023 out of Ajabo. Had only 21 snaps as a rookie, one in that first game against Cleveland, 20 more as a situational pass rusher against the Bengals, and he also actually was activated for the Wild Garden game and played two snaps, which was pretty cool. So you know, it's at at that point they liked enough of what they saw in that Cincinnati game that they activated from that. And if you remember the Cincinnati game, they had, they sat a bunch of guys because they're, they're trying to uh, stay healthy, you know, needed to win one game. Then the following week, that seemed to be easier than trying to win with Anthony Brown to get a home game that would slightly improve their chances to win in the wild card game. But they, they, I think they did the right thing in terms of, of, uh, you know, keeping some players sidelined. They ended up giving the Bengals and Joe Burrow all they could handle in that wild card game. And if it weren't for that fumble, you know, we, we uh, might've been talking about a very different end of the Raven season, probably the next week in Kansas city, but you know, we would have been talking about a very different end of the Raven season. Uh, Ajabo, fantastic tools guy. And, you know, sometimes we forget, um, but he's that combination of big and fast, reasonably long at 33 and a half inches or so. Um, and I, I'm just very excited to see what he can do with Chuck Smith, the pass rush guru, because a lot of what will be new to Ajabo is a lot of the compound moves um, that that he can create. And more importantly, he might know something about them, but he can improve his timing on them tremendously by working with a Chuck Smith. Yeah, absolutely. And that was something in his draft profile that I was rereading. Um, I, you know, when you're looking at the Ravens having the 14th pick and having that Michigan connection, I was really preparing for the Ravens to spend prior to his injury to, to, to pick him at 14. Um, and one of his positives was that he is actually um, very good at adjusting his rush plan, uh, which is something that we really want to see from Odafe Owe. Um, but Ojabo will be, um, is somebody is a player that has shown his ability to adjust his rush. Um and either change his angle, um, change his move, uh, using predominantly a speed rush, um, and he has some great statistics on that. 
um, that I can get to in a minute here. But um, that was one of his biggest uh, positives uh, during the pre-draft process. And I think it's something that Chuck Smith can can highlight more. Oh, abs- absolutely. Completely agree with that. And we've, we've, uh, we've talked on this show a number of times about Adafi Owe. And Adafi Owe has all of the talent, even to a greater degree of athleticism than Ajabo has, which is remarkable because there's not very many athletes that are above the Ajabo level uh, of athleticism. But what Ajabo doesn't have is a great get-off. They've got to get that fixed if they want to make him an elite pass rusher. Once they do, he's going to be incredibly dangerous. Uh, he's already pretty dangerous. He already you know, generates a fair amount of pressure with this limited get-off that is just not – not exactly what you'd want from an NFL pass rusher. Ajabo has the get off. You know, he he had that in school. You know, are we a little bit worried that he won't have it as much coming off the Achilles? I might be worried that it'd be just like just a quarter tick slower or whatever, but I I really am not concerned that he's going to be off the not off the ball very quickly and not able to go into those compound moves. What I think was true of Ajabo is he has not really been playing football as long. And so whatever he's got for current compound moves it's largely based on what athleticism he brings to the position. So it's kind of like saying, if you think you're a good uh, 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 route runner because you're Zay Flowers, and Zay Flowers is a guy who is a very sudden athlete, but not necessarily a great route runner, meaning he's not wiggling for that defender to make him miss. He's just very sudden himself, and, and he he forces uh, uh, you know cornerbacks to lose, it, lose him. I think that's who Ajabo is. I think he's got a tremendous amount in terms of what he can do to make a tackle, make a misstep that he can then exploit. And and both throwing that wiggle out there in the same way you know wide receiver does at the top of the stem and also then knowing how to take advantage of it and have the timing to take advantage of it with a euro step, a spin move, any of those compound moves will be will be very exciting to see from a job. Yeah, uh Great. Yeah. Great instincts. Um, completely agree on that. And I think instincts is one of the things that I, I, I just noticed whenever I would watch him play and uh, rewatching him play for this. Uh, I think one of the best ways to explain some of his instincts is his ability to force the ball out. Um, and it's something at Michigan that he not only became known for, he set their record uh, school record for most forced fumbles, mm-hmm. um, which was just, you know, as as somebody who you know obviously we, we want to see turnovers um but if we're going to look at somebody on how they'll you know use their football instincts one of the you know biggest things that you can see is um you know just their ability to place the ball to find the ball um and then create a you know a plan to be able to like knock it out um one of the you know cool things if you look at him in comparison to you know, will anderson um, of Alabama, uh, Ojabo, had, you know, had almost triple, uh, the amount of force fumbles, I think as Will Anderson's in his whole career, uh, which is just a, a really good sign for what his, um, you know, what, what we're going to maybe see from him next year. So uh, Ojabo played only 14 college games in, yeah. in his career, which is, which is really something in terms of, of being there, but at Michigan in, in 2021, so it's, it's only two years ago, uh, had five forced fumbles. And Will Anderson, yeah, you're right. He had one forced fumble in 34, 34 and a half, 34, whatever it was, college sacks. And that was one of the one of the real bugaboos about Anderson was him just not not using his club enough and trying to trying to be too much of a closer on the sacks themselves. Um, but anyway, that's it's something that Jabo definitely um, has very violent hands, by the way. And and uh, one of the things 
we hope none of this is gone, by the way, because yeah. you know, we haven't really seen it um, just a little bit last year. But think Pernell McPhee, if you're thinking about the violence of hands, a guy who just constantly can be basically going to the gut, going to the, the, the midsection, striking the opponent um, almost like it's a video game. Where you have to, we had a, we had a video game growing up. There was some sort of Olympics video game. I can remember when I was in, in college, it was about forty years ago, where you had, kind of had to tap two buttons, and the more that you could do it closely, let's see, it's it's a, there's a little bit of that that you know it, one strike is is you can can be good, but if you can strike multiply and be violent, particularly on his arms, um, you you can you can very quickly get an offensive lineman to get. Um, off balance in some direction that can lead to penetration and, and McPhee on the inside as, as a Ravens rusher in particular, just fantastic at that. So I look back at the 2014 Ravens, you know, pass rush driven by McPhee from the inside, despite the fact that Suggs and, um, and Dumerville were having outstanding years on the outside, collecting those sacks. Yeah. Um, on, that's a, that's an interesting comp because one of the things that when I was, you know, prepping for this is uh, looking at uh, some of Ojabo's statistics. Um, it, when he was at Michigan, he had a 27% uh, pass rush win rate when he was pass rushing from the inside. Um, in comparison to his outside, he's 20 and 20.5% um, on pass rush snaps, which 20, 20. I kind 5? of only, yeah, 20.5. Like, and I mm-hmm. saw him as a you know pure speed outside guy. Um, but he actually was pretty productive. Um, in, I mean, in fact, more productive uh, when he was going on the inside pass rush, um, using his speed and using some of, the, I guess, that violent those violent hands. Uh, you know, hopefully that's something that he can um, continue uh, and and you know be able to get on the field with some of those race car packages. Um, it'd be a big advantage to ha- to be able to have a you know pass rusher that can use some of that speed or some of his moves um, and then get to the ball. You know that that if he can continue that. Uh, at the pro level, uh, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. He definitely would be a major candidate to move inside. I, I don't think he, he has to be, I think you can do lots of things. I, I'd be frankly interested in having a Jabo. you know, you're on a package where Bowser lines up inside, but your real intention with him is to drop him to cover and you have a Jabo and Owe on opposite sides. Like I think that could be devastating in terms of, of making use of both guys in a wide, but I do think a Jabo, He's one of the guys potentially that could have a lot of use inside. And I pity the guard whose face he crosses as an underneath guy on stunts because he's a very violent dude and he is going to force shoulders to get turned. And that's going to create opportunities for other players, not just himself. Oftentimes what happens is the initial, the under player is often the one who gets the opportunity after there has to be a peel off from one of these two guys who are turned at a 45 degree angle. So, you know, you want, you want to create that kind of opportunity, but it's often for yourself. So, so uh, he's, he, he'd be a guy who can, I'm sure take advantage of that and being a guy who can adjust, you know, during his pass rushes is, is very key to that, to, to get off that block that remains. So uh, I, I'm excited about that. Really excited. Yeah. I can't agree more. I, I was, you know, imagining like what, well, what can this look like in the Ravens defense and, you know, him away, and then he combine it with the speed of our inside linebackers who are, you know, pretty great, pretty solid blitzers as well. Um, McDonald should have uh, plenty of speed to use in the pass rush plan with either simulated pressures and people having to respect just how fast between Ojabo and Owe, Queen and Roquan. Um, that's a lot of speed and a, a lot of things, that, a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, juice, hopefully, in this pass rush where um, McDonald can be pretty creative. Yeah. Uh, Jabo also definitely the, the opportunity to be quick enough to be an over guy as well. So I'm not limiting him to being just an under guy. I just think with the, with the kind of violence he brings, he, he'd be extremely good there. You know, one of the interesting things, and we really have not talked about this because I mean, part of it is that he was coming in last year. He hadn't played all that much college ball. We thought NFL weight room, he needs time with that, blah, blah, blah. You know, as we always talk about players and also recovering from injury, we thought the most he's going to get on the field is as a situational pass rusher. Happen to be completely right about that. Okay, so that's that's exactly what he did in his first year. But I think the hope would be that David Ajabo can provide something against the run as well. You don't want all those early down snaps going to Owe on that rush side. Um, and you might also consider, because David Ajabo is a fast player, can he also give you something on the Sam side at, something, at, at some point? Not necessarily this year. But maybe in the in the future, is he a guy who who has the traits that he can drop to cover, and uh, and do you some good there as well? Yeah, I think it would be. I, I think he will definitely have a few snaps there, um, either just with disguise coverage. Um, you know, they they always mix it up. So I, I do mm-hmm. think that we will see some some Sam experiences here from him. He's certainly athletic enough to play it. Um, he may not have that football experience yet to be able to play the Sam linebacker and. Um, I, I don't think that he'll be you know, as, um, as productive as Tyus Bowser there. Uh, but yeah, I do think that we will see some Sam snaps just given the fact that the Ravens do mix it up. Um, in terms of playing the run, I, you know, it, there, there is, a, I don't know if there's a football team that loves to see their outside linebackers play the run, you know, like the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, historically, we've had great run defenders, like Terrell Suggs and, um, you know, Joe Johnson. Thomas, Joe Johnson, some, some great outside linebacking run defenders um, who certainly do not get free reign to go rush the passer no matter what and leave a gap open. Um, the, the responsibilities are sound. Um, you know, I, I think Belichick has been given a lot of credit for that over the years in, in terms of making his edge rushers um, stay at home and, and play the run first, uh, especially on, you know, pass run downs. Um, the Ravens have done the same thing. And regardless of defensive coordinator, stopping the run has been a critical part for being on the field. And they've also shown that in the way that they've paid defenders. Uh, they pay people that can stop the run and have, you know, help their defense stop that first. Um, Ojabo, I, I don't think was, was drafted to stop the run. I think he was drafted to become, you know, their next great pass rusher. Uh, with that being said, we we need him to be able to stop the run because we'll get more snaps and we want to get as much value out of this player as he possibly can. Um, in college, he obviously was not he was not know, a great run defender. Uh, nonetheless, in the Georgia game, he was pulled off the field uh, on running downs um, and he didn't really necessarily showcase that part of his game. Um, but however, like you said, he certainly has the physical tools to become a great run defender. Um speed length and strength um there there is another element to his game and hopefully just given the fact that he hasn't played a ton of football uh is the reason why he you know isn't a great run defender as of right now yeah and and honestly i think it might be a multi-year journey to get there i mean certainly run defending is probably the easier thing to add first because it doesn't necessarily have to change positions to play it and in fact you need to know how to play it if you're going to be on there for any down which is not you know an obvious passing situation so he, he'll need to pick up that first. And then the second thing is this much more complex uh, notion of, of what are his responsibilities if he has to drop from a Sam spot. 
And he could, you know, you can also drop from the rush spot. It did happen. Terrell Suggs dropped a cover a fair amount, not, not a ton, but a fair amount. And Terrell Suggs also had tremendous instincts on when a screen pass was coming out such that he knew, wait a minute, this is too easy. And he'd be, he immediately bowled out to the screen pass or he'd jump up in the air and try and deflect the ball or all the things that we remember Terrell for over the years. Um, that's those are things where where Ajabo is going to have to learn at least those things, and then down the line, I really do think it's it's a year or two away uh, that he probably is a a better Sam linebacker candidate. And if the Ravens, in their desperation this year, with what now the NFI news that's come out on Bowser, um, are, do they need another guy to make that move immediately? I still I think unfortunately it's probably more likely to be Owe that would be the guy they move over. I hope it's Van Noy that they pick up and they can, you know, plug him in at the same spot. But, um, but I, unfortunately I think Owe would be the guy and I'm, I'm afraid that would potentially stunt his development. Yeah. Um, I know they, they brought in uh, Van Noy for a visit on Friday uh, and we're recording on Monday. Uh, so we got a you know, couple, couple days before the start of camp doesn't, hopefully we can um, bring in another Another guy, maybe Owe doesn't have to fill that role. Um, but yeah, with the Bowser news, I, I think that they may experiment even with with both of them, um, just as just in case. Um, but I, I, you know, for Owe and Ojabo's development, we probably want them staying in a rush role uh, in priority to to playing Sam. Um, and yeah, bringing somebody in, I think, is the most ideal thing given the the Bowser news um, and uh, hopefully we can learn more about Bowser um, when, once training camp starts and, and what's going on with him. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know how long that's going to take to develop, but an NFI designation is a pretty serious thing. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly um, why that, as opposed to a PUP designation, for example, which you could come off of at any time. Um, but the Ravens obviously have their reasons and, and, uh, I'm sure we'll find out as, as time moves forward, uh, in terms of what, what we're looking for in 2023, I think we've, we've talked about a lot of things, but one thing we didn't hit on yet is special teams. And he did play a little bit of special teams, about 12 snaps, um, in his three games that he was active, the Cleveland, the, the Bengals finale, then the Bengals wildcard game. Uh, interestingly, they've got him on the punt block team. It, for his primary responsibility there, which is he, he's an interior guy on the on the he's obviously not a jammer, but uh, uh, but he's an interior guy that they're that they're trying to get in and try and block a punt. Uh, it it's it's always a nice little addition to be good at that, and it's the kind of thing that it wouldn't surprise me if that's something Ajabo really excels at. Uh, you know, the, the Ravens have had certain guys in their history and. Um, Leron McLean comes to mind as a guy who had a block punt that went for a safety and, um, you know, was a guy who, who, who played on special teams for years. Um, it, it would not surprise me if Ajabo stays on that team for this year. Uh, but effectively, uh, essentially, uh, eventually when he becomes too valuable as a pass rusher, they're going to take him off that team. They took Ed Reed off, even off the punt block team after two years. Yeah, uh, Bill. I think Bill Belichick called yep. uh, Ed, Ed Reed a Hall of Famer just for pump blocks. Um, but listen, if there's any coach that's going to keep a, a player with the potential of of Ojabo on special teams, it's going to be John Harbaugh. Um, I mean, we used like the 14th pick on Kyle Hamilton last year, and Kyle Hamilton played a lot of special teams. It was was damn good at it too. Uh, so if Ojabo's good at at his special teams role, 
he'll find a way on. We we always we always uh we always will make sure that we're getting as much value as we can. Yeah. I I I seem to always end up playing a computer game that has some sort of a skill tree progression. Let me ask it as a question this way. You can have one of these things in 2023, you can have one in 2024. And here are the choices. A Jabo can become an above average run defender. A Jabo can be an, a, a valuable piece that you can kick inside and still get pass rush value from. Okay. Or a Jabo can move over and play some Sam linebacker for you. Which of those three do you want first? <laughs> um, I yeah, obviously I I mean the the pass rush I think is the most important thing. Uh, it's probably where the NFL is going. Um, but the I mean the Sam role really does make the the Ravens defense unique, uh, and it, it's really important to them. I, I like I, you know, I think the addition of Roquan Smith last year was was ginormous. But I think also getting back Tyus Bowser was like just as important um and what that did for their defense and their statistics and devo dvoa they really do go hand in hand um i i do think that we have been missing that the you know that guy that can just win uh you know a, like a pass rush rep and, and take over a game in the second half we we just really haven't had that since the Suggs, Zadarius Smith, that that the 2018 season, uh, we really haven't had that that go-to pass rusher. Got to have a sack or got to get a pressure. Um, I think it's kind of shown in these bigger games against, you know, some of the AFC powers, like where you, you kind of need to re- learn to rush for and and um, and play that, you know, the, the quote-unquote like too high defense. Um, I, yeah, I, I I do think we're missing that guy. So I will pick the pass rush thing. How about you? Okay. Yeah, I I don't know because it's so big, but I think I think the pass rush thing is the more likely thing to happen in year one, yeah. the more likely thing to be done really well. So I take the kick inside. And I think the, the Ravens as a group need the pass rush more. Um the, that Sam linebacker, I mean, it, it has an enormous pass rush component there. Um, that that's where a lot of the Ravens pass rush versatility comes from is Tyus Bowser dropping off the line of scrimmage, which allows for overloads for the other side, allows for blitzes. Uh, and, and you've got a guy that's a very competent coverage guy, frankly, the best outside linebacker in terms of coverage in the entire NFL, uh, who's just extraordinarily valuable in, in that role. Uh, the Ravens, they've had three guys. They've been you know really blessed with, with three players in their history at outside linebacker who could cover like nobody else and and that uh, Adelis Thomas of course and uh Tyus Bowser and Matt Judon and to have Judon and Bowser on the team at the same time you know have two guys it's just completely unfair in, in terms of that you look back at the uh at the 2018 pass rush and some of the ones uh, I guess the 19 pass rush as well just that's that's a that's a hell of a lot of flexibility to have uh if you're a defensive coordinator yeah absolutely I like Judon has certainly thrived in uh in New England uh and and I think you know got his money um but I think it's a fair argument to see uh to say would you rather have Tyus Bowser at you know 4 years for 24 million or or Matthew Judon at his price uh I think Bowser was just about the right player right price for for the Cat Ravens cap yeah. situation at that time Yeah it was it was it was definitely if you if you had to choose that or or what Judon ended up getting yeah, I completely agree all right, so let's talk about a good season and a great season for David Ajabo. And this is an exciting one because I think you could go a lot of different ways from that. But for you, what would a, a good season look like for David Ajabo? Yeah, I, honestly, I'm I'm trying to temper expectations. Um, 
he got the the, the Ravens minicamp uh, the hype the the he got the most uh, the standout player, uh, which I'm always a little, you know, I I, I try to just shun myself away from that. Um, the fact of the matter is, it's going to be his first season in the NFL, uh, and you know he played a you know some snaps last year, and obviously had a great moment against the Bengals, but. Um, you know, you are a little nervous for a couple of things, you know, him hitting the, the rookie wall or, or him, um, you, you know, just getting, you know, finding, remembering the playbook and, you know, we, we've seen growing pains before. So I'm trying to temper expectations, but um, yeah, it becomes a, you know, key part of the Ravens rotation for pass rushers um, and is able to, to continue some of the, the great numbers that he showed um, at the end of his days in Michigan or the, his last year in Michigan, really. Um, maintaining some sort of pressure rate that's comparable to that um, or, you know, being able to continue to at least show that he's still trying to you know, find the ball and force fumbles, um, but essentially just becoming part of their defensive rotation uh, and showing the Ravens that he can be part of their pass rush uh, and um, being a great pair with Odafe Owe uh, and, and learning under Chuck Smith and, and showing growth throughout the year um, rather than just like starting hot and then, uh, and then dwindling down. How about you? Uh, that's that's interesting. So you're you're saying don't don't hit any kind of a rookie wall in a second year that we didn't really have see. Yeah, I, I one, yeah. Because I, I think we've seen we saw that from Oa, um, and you know Oa obviously had a, had a slump last year, but then kind of finished the year well. Mm-hmm. Um, I the, the one thing that I'm a little nervous with Ojabo is that him he just hasn't played a lot of football games. Um, and I think a 17, 17 game season is going to be a lot for him, uh, and it, I think as fans we got to be patient make sure that they're not overloading it with snaps right away so that he's able to not only make it for that, but he's able to at least be productive as well for, uh, for hopefully a good playoff run. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a good set of things. You did name a lot of things in your tempered expectation list, but I've got a lot on mine too. <laughs> this is a good season. So once again, 60th percentile, 80th percentile for me for good and great. I'll give you good here. I want him to gel with Chuck Smith to become a valued situational pass rusher. And so that means means two things. One is he can come on the field and and be an outside rusher, but also that he can kick inside is inherent in that. And and to do that, I think he's going to have to learn a little bit from Chuck Smith in terms of of improving his pass rush efficiency, which I think, you know, that's what they brought Chuck Smith in for. Man, we have expectations that are unbelievable of what he's going to do for these couple of young pass rushers, but uh be really wonderful to see him actually have a big imprint on uh, on Oa and Ajabo. I, I want him definitely to deliver some one-on-one wins. Uh, the Ravens have been short on that. They, most of their sacks are created by uh, one, first man pressure, second man cleanup, and we need some one-on-one wins. And uh, in particular, Ajabo with his with his fantastic club, which is another thing I want to see. Um, you know, his one-on-one wins can be very valuable. Now, he did his actual sack was a cleanup sack with clubbing the ball free, so those are valuable too. So I don't <laughs> put, put down the use of the club regardless of how it gets there, but. Being first man of the ball, first man of the quarterback, and stripping the ball instead of just kind of kind of tugging at him and letting him get away because the Ravens had some of that that's even led to sacks, but also has led to some really frustrating plays. Uh, you know, he's going to be better probably at uh, at finishing a quarterback on the first shot. Uh, I don't have any specific requirements for pressures or sacks, but I just want him to be considered an important element of the pass rush all season. So. I'm not saying, oh, he's got to have seven sacks and three forced fumbles or anything like that, not at least in a good season component. And I'd like him to average 25 to 30 snaps per game. Now, it could be more than that, but 
uh, at 25 to 30 snaps per game. That's right around the 60th percentile for me. And that he'd have to be healthy for a good number of games for that to for that to be the case. And uh, and that's that's where I am with a good season. So mostly qualitative stuff works with Chuck Smith, develops the ability to rush from the interior that are the major considerations. Yeah, agreed. And, um, you know, a, a great season for me um, was is continuing his pass rush development um, and also growing in his ability to change his pass rush, not having a predetermined move, but his ability to adapt as the, as the pass, as he uh, rushes the quarterback, given what the offensive line gives him. Um, continue his, uh, his club, uh, you know, uh, continuing forced fumbles, um, being able to find the ball. Uh, that'd be so valuable, uh, in, in, in a NFL defense. Uh, if, if he's even able to put up, you know, fractional numbers, uh, in comparison to what he did in Michigan. Um, I think an indicator for a great season for him would be, uh, the Ravens don't feel the need to address edge or outside linebacker, um, in round one of the draft mm. next year. Uh, and that they see Ojabo as this guy is going to be part of the defensive future in the same sentence as Kyle Hamilton, that he's a linchpin in this defense. Um, and we can't imagine our, our defensive future without him. He becomes part of that. You know, hopefully we have a guy in the potential that could become a Raven staple and, um, and somebody that we can look to keep around for a long time. Now that's, that's a really interesting point because he could be the Ravens could decide not to address pass rusher in round one if after this year they decide to pick up always fifth year option. And then they've mm-hmm. got two two rush linebackers for the next two years, and that could be very exciting. Boy, then one of them's gonna have to learn to play Sam. Very true. But I'll I'll put in a great season here is that we regularly comment on the violence of his hands. Now that's something I don't think it's a given. That that's good. That that we're gonna we're gonna have that. But if he's gonna be great, I think I think it's a requirement, and I think at least twenty percent of the time that's something that we should we should want to hear. I think compound moves take a step forward are very well timed. I'm okay if he can't um, adjust on the fly. What I want for him because that's that's like Muhammad Ali stuff to be able to you know throw the next punch while you're while you're throwing the first punch of a combination to change to a different punch on the second you know change your combination up or or, or stall it. But but I I do want very well timed moves out of him to, to say you know he knows exactly how you know it's it, that it's two tenths of a second or it's four tenths of a second is a big difference in terms of of when you hit the guy with your second move or after you've done just enough to get him to bite when you when you make your counter um that is what i i, I really want to see with with him and and chuck smith I, I would consider that a well that would be value well realized from the from the chuck smith signing uh, in terms of of pass rush productivity, I think he could threaten to supplant Owe as the team's primary rush outside linebacker if he has a top 20, 20% season. Um, it's not too hard to imagine. I mean, it's it, uh, in some cases, there are some people who say, oh, sure, top 30, 30, 40, 50% season, he could supplant Owe because Owe doesn't have the get off and he does. And I, I can see some of that, but Owe is a much better pressure machine right now. And I think that, that, you know, we're going to have to see that from a job. I don't think it's impossible. And I think at the top 20%, he's definitely threatening to supplant away. I think we get at least a glimpse of him in run defense 
that we could possibly project to see him to a much larger role in terms of snap count in years three and beyond. And we don't have to see all that this year, but we need to be able to see that he could maybe be a 60% snap count guy in his third year um, just because he he seems to be picking up the run defense component uh, a little bit more. And I want a good number of one-on-one wins, again, with a good with a great season. On the first one, I see we need to see some one-on-one wins. In the, in the great season, we need to see a good number of one-on-one wins. And I'll set him a threshold here in terms of sacks is that I'd like to see seven-plus sacks with two-plus forced fumbles would certainly be meeting that standard in terms of, of uh, enough one-on-one wins and, and really delivering the club that we want. And on, the, on this case, the only other metric I have is that I want him to average 35-plus snaps per game. They might decide they want to keep him fresher as a pass rusher, really uh, keep his snaps right down at that minimum, or they might decide, hey, this guy's too good to keep off the field. 45, 50 snaps is really what we need. But I think they can keep him fresh enough probably at 35 snaps that he can still be very effective for the Ravens. Yeah, those are some good thresholds, and I think definitely fair for what a great season for him would be. Um, you know, if we can – if I, I would love to see whatever, you know, his, his teammate from Michigan did his rookie year – um, but if he's in the same ballpark as, as some of those great edge rushers from the previous draft class, um, you know, that would be, that would be terrific for, for, for basically his first season in the NFL. Um, but certainly excited for this guy. And, and I, you know, that the hire of Chuck Smith, I, I know that, you know, you've talked about it a lot on your shows. Um, but I, you know, that was a sharp hire by the Ravens and I, and I am excited to see what he does with Ojabo and Owe. Um, for just you know, pass rush moves and development. Um, it seems like we we at least have two guys that are really interested in working hard and 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 um, uh, seem to be teachable and coachable as well, uh, which I think uh, hopefully translates well. And and yeah, just excited for what David Ojabo can bring to the Ravens. And you know, if we get that one on one one on one win guy, uh, that would be you know just that would be awesome for the defense. Yeah, well, we can we can go with the Aiden Hutchinson standard. He had nine and a half sacks as a rookie, fifteen quarterback hits, and was the second number two guy in the defensive rookie of the year. Who I'm trying to I'm struggling now to remember who Sauce, actually won that. I'm going to guess Sauce Gardner won. Oh, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, th- that's not fact checked though. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. And he didn't have any forced fumbles, but he had two fumbles recovered for for Aiden Hutchinson. So anyway. Yeah. I, it's a lot of fun talking uh, talking about these guys, particularly Jabba, with you. And I think you know if you're looking at all the players who can surprise you on the upside, David Jabba is one of the guys who all of a sudden is who is this guy all of a sudden? I, I don't know even how great he can by kind of what the, the Orioles are going through right now with Gunnar Henderson. I, I I don't think we also know what the ceiling is on Adley Rushman. Don't don't don't, don't mind me, but he's a little bit closer to his prime year and and. Uh, you know, in, in the case of uh, of Henderson, just very exciting where where he is right now. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, listening to a lot of the Ravens previews, they're they're talking about you know where where is their defense going to be this year, um, and a lot of it's thrown in like, oh yeah, they drafted David Ojabo, and uh, it's it's kind of just thrown in at the end. Um, when I think in Ravens circles, uh, it, it's almost the opposite. Like we're we're so pumped for this guy and and what he can do uh i think that he obviously is like the one raven who can really surprise the league um and and really be a standout player for them their defense has a ton of talent between roquan and humphrey and, mm-hmm. and marcus williams 
um, Hamilton as well. Hamilton uh, would be another guy who, yeah. who we don't really know exactly what he's going to do this year. That's very exciting to me. Yeah, having those two coming up the pipeline too, uh, it, it's just great to have you know some of these younger guys that they've drafted, um, and, and hopefully it works out. I, I I do think that he has the talent, certainly the skills, and you know we we bit the bullet for one year to draft him in the second round, and I you know debate that value, and we'll find out that at the end of this year if that was worth it, but. Certainly a guy that I think is flying under the radar and can be can become a ra- uh, Raven that really changes their season this year, especially the defense. All right. Outstanding. Danny, just great talking football with you. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Twitter, just kind of, you know, uh, djoseph0815. Don't get into a ton of threads, but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll obviously engage with anyone who, who wants to talk Ravens. Um, but looking forward to, to training camp and, uh, and hopefully a great season. Uh, can't come soon enough. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. I'm still going through new shows with people. In fact, I've got a, uh, a guy who's recording one tomorrow for the first time. And if you want to do that, I, I've got time to air these at various times through the preseason. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. I'll get back to you right away. DMs are always open on Twitter. Danny, thanks again for joining me. Thanks a lot, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.